Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. It's a Guy Jeans podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Bass Pro Shops. I recently had the honor of hosting my podcast in front of a live podcast audience at the Bass Pro Shop in Rancho Cucamonga, California. On this episode, I interview Conway Bowman and three nonprofit organizations called Casting for Recovery, Project Inley Waters, and Trout Unlimited. I really enjoyed this podcast and my diverse guests sharing their stories and journeys helping people and fish. I hope you support these amazing nonprofit organizations. And again, thanks for listening to my podcast. Hey, you guys, welcome to the podcast. My name is Guy Jeans. Thanks for being here, you guys. Hey, hey. I'm here at the Bass Pro shop in Rancho Cucamonga. And I'm with my friend here, Conway Bowman. Thanks for having me. This is, a, this is an amazing place. I've never been here, and I live in Southern California. Place this, is crazy, huh? This is really unbelievable. I've, all, I've heard a lot about Bass Pro Shop, but this is next level. You know, those of you guys that don't know Conway, Conway is, I'm going to go through a list right now. He's an author. He's a fly fishing captain. He's an athlete. He is a musician. He's a dad. Husband and That's number one number and an two. author <laughs> and and an author and an author yes yeah so um, stoked to have you here man yeah thanks for yeah. having me yeah so what have you been doing man um, it's been a really busy summer so um, I've been I've been guiding for Mako sharks all summer you know and, that, and that's that's what I do in, in San Diego so in the summertime. You know, uh, pretty much Monday through Friday, I'm guiding for Makos, and it's it's been really really good guiding for Makos on the fly, um, and it's been it's been really really great. A lot of big fish around this year, good numbers of fish. Um, so yeah, so that's been keeping me busy. In addition to just being a dad, travel baseball. Um, I did a little bit a little bit of traveling too. I went down and I was in the Yucatan. We were fly fishing for permit, which was nice. fun. That's awesome. And uh, actually, in November, I was in the Amazon jungle fishing for peacock bass. Whoa. So yeah, so a lot of stuff. Wow. So I don't know if you guys heard that, but uh, fly fishing for mako sharks—pretty crazy, right? I got to tell you guys a cool story. I I went fishing uh, with Conway uh, down in San Diego for makos, and uh, it is an experience. If you guys have never done that and tried that, you got to try it. Um, I'm going to give you guys a little scenario, if, I don't know if you remember this, but um, we're, we're going out in, in his boat, we're going through uh, Mission Bay, I think it was, Yeah, yeah. and we're going out, and he, he has them kind of marked out, you know, the areas where they're at and stuff, and on the way out, Conway's all, I got some good chum, man, I got some good chum, 
And so he had this big bucket of, you know, bloody fish and stuff. I'm sure, not sure what it was, big piece of tuna or something. Yeah, it was, blue, it was bluefin tuna. <laughs> okay, yeah, that, so, I, that I got out of a dumpster, I think. I don't know. <laughs> so um, we get out to the, the fishing grounds, and um, he starts, he puts the bucket in the, in the water and starts, you know, chopping at it. And then all the blood and everything goes out and makes this big chum line. And then um, we sit there and, and uh, BS for a little bit. And uh, about a half an hour or so, we see he's all look behind the boat and we see this fin come up through the chum line. And then the, the fish will actually go around the boat and the, the, the makos will actually look at you before you catch them. Pretty they, crazy. They, so they, they stare you down. Yeah. And so I looked at this fish, look at me, and I looked at him. And then he went around the boat, back into the chum line. And then he teases them in with this teaser. Yeah, hookless teaser. Yeah, yeah. hookless yeah. teaser. And then um, he reels that in, and then you throw your fly, and he comes up and eats it like a trout. Basically off the surface almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So you yeah. bait and switch them. But, yeah. but it's funny. You yeah. know, uh, some people think that a mako shark will hit a fly really aggressively. It's, it's more like a brown trout rising on a hopper. It's yes. kind of this slow take. Yeah. And then after that, it's... Oh, yeah. And then after that, they, they take off, right? And then he'll start up the boat and chase him because the thing t takes off. So I'm looking straight ahead off the bow, and I think the fish is over here, but the fish actually jumped, jumps way over here. So my line's going this way, yeah. but the fish is way over yeah. here. And, and they jump 20 feet in the air yeah, or something? Tw yeah, two or three times their body length. And they'll yeah. do it you know, qu several times. Yeah. They're, they're a great, they're, I, th I think they're the greatest game fish on the West Coast. They're just unbelievable. So. Yeah. And so, um, hey, Dad. <laughs> hey, Dad. Hi, Dad. <laughs> so um, what's really cool is, um, you know, you use a 13 weight. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of a 13 weight. That's where we start. Is that, they go up. Uh, yeah, so uh, I have custom rods now. So yeah. um, I started building one-piece rods about, oh, I don't know, several years ago. Uh, because a lot of these fish are getting much bigger every year. And we're encountering fish 300 to 800 pounds now. And we yeah. hook them on the fly. And people can't believe that, but we do. Yeah. Not that you get those fish to the boat, but at least you get to see them jump. Yeah. But you need those one-piece rods to really have even a, a fighting chance getting those things to the boat. So, yeah. yeah. So you guys, when I was, I was bringing this, I think it was like a 150-pound fish, you know, it was yeah. pretty decent fish, right? And um, I'm bringing this fish in and getting close to the boat. There's this dark shadow goes under the boat, and he's all, "Get that thing in!" There's a 300 or 400 yeah. pound one that's going to eat that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, right? It, yeah. Right. It, it's a tough neighborhood out there because you could hook into a 100 pound shark, and next thing you know, you got a 500 pounder right underneath it trying to eat it. It's no joke, and it's it's pretty exciting, especially with a fly rod. People are like, yeah. "What?" With a and the other thing is. I fish out of a, a pretty small boat. It's a 24-foot bay boat. And so if you go over here, you, you probably can see a bay boat over here at Bass Pro Shops. That's pretty much what I'm using. So it's a very small boat catching really large fish. So it's, it's, so tell people, like, uh, you know, are these makos coming in in the, in the summertime? Are they coming in, Are they always there? So th th there's like a migration of makos. They start kind of showing up in Southern California in uh, like April, and mm -hmm. then you really they really start pushing through in May, June, and July, and that's when you have your highest volume of fish. Um, and so the reason why they're there is because the food item they're eating is showing up. So right now that's bluefin tuna. When the bluefin tuna show up, 
to make a shark show up. And over the last 10 years, we, you know, those bluefin have been close to shore off San Diego, Southern California. So that just brings in those makos even closer to shore. And it, you know, it's funny, when, when we first fished makos, how many years ago was that? Because we were fishing with you and Chiaki. Here, 15, 15? 15 years ago. Yeah. A big mako shark at that time was 300 pounds. Yeah. Right now, we're seeing fish 500 to 800 pounds. Okay. That's crazy. But when you were fishing them 15 years ago, we had yellowfin tuna and albacore around, which was a smaller food item. Now, we've got big bluefin tuna. So, bigger. the bigger the food item, the bigger the sharks. And that's why we're seeing those big ones now. So, what pound test are you guys using? You know, I fish, you know, I fish um, like 30 and 40 pound test on, and I have a, you know, I have a, a, a steel leader rig, and then I have 30 to 40 pound kind of uh, worked into that. And then on top of that, I have a 100 pound abrasion tippet. So that 30 or 40 pounds is pretty short. It's probably maybe six inches. And I call that a fuse box. When you hook a really large mako shark, if somebody's on that fish for, let's say an hour, a lot of times they're like, I can't, you know, it's too much, you know. So what I'll do is I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll go ahead and break the tippet right there at that fuse box. And it works out great. The angler got, gets to see the fish jump. They get to fight it for a while. But honestly, you know, trying to battle a 500 pound fish on a fly rod is tough, right? Yeah. Some people want to do it, Yeah. you know, and you know, it's, it's a hard game. A lot of things have to go right to get that fish to the boat. Me chasing it down, keeping the right angle on the fish with my boat. But if somebody tries it and they're like, I can't do this anymore, I'll go ahead and pop that tippet. The other thing is I use tube flies. So they're, 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 they're flies that are tied on tubes and there's a popper, a foam popping head on top. So when I break that tippet or that 30 pound, that fly will float up to the surface. It'll slide up the leader and it'll float. And I'll go ahead, I can retrieve that fly and I use barbless hooks. So when I do that, the shark will shake that hook out of his mouth. And you know, it's, yeah. it, I'm not, we're not leaving any gear in, in these sharks. And it's all catch and release. So, yeah. you know, it's taken a while for me to kind of figure all that out, but it works really, really well. You know, there's this guy online that uh, he's called the Malibu artist. Have you seen this guy, the, no. sh the shark guy? No. So he has a, uh, a drone and he goes and he films off of Malibu and the coast. And what he's been doing, he's been doing it for a couple of years, but he's been showing how close the great whites are to surfers. They're, it's crazy. They're right there. I yeah. And, and, you know, when I was surfing and you were surfing, did you see, ever see him? No, I, I, really, I, yeah. I didn't. And the, and the thing yeah. is, I don't, I don't think we had a, you know, a, a large volume of great whites yeah. years ago, but now we do. And yeah. so Long Beach State, um, a guy named Chris Lowe has been doing studies off San Diego, and they've, they've tracked a, a, a fair number of great whites off, just right off Del Mar and Solana Beach and La Jolla. And they're there. Yeah. The thing is, you know, great whites typically are in 100 feet of water or less, and makos are 100 feet of water or, or, or deeper. But I've seen three great whites so far this year, uh, you know, coming come to your boat? Coming right to my boat. Wow. And, they're, and the thing is, they're not aggressive. They're, they're much less aggressive than a, than a, than a mako. Are in they? fact, I had, a, I had about a thousand pound um, great white around the boat. And a hundred pound mako came in and chased that that really? great white away from the boat. That's so crazy. a mako is much more aggressive, way more aggressive. 
Interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when they come around the boat, um, or you guys can't, you don't fish for the, the you're not allowed to. No, right? you're not yeah. allowed to yeah, fish right. for gray white. So yeah. they're, they're a good opportunity to see those fish come to the boat. And they're, yeah. they're impressive. They are really, great whites are an unbelievable fish. That's cool, yeah. man. Yeah, it's really cool. So are you still doing the uh, triathlete stuff? Oh, yeah. Are you? Oh, yeah. Are you, you're like in the best shape you've ever been in I'm in the, the best shape part. of my life at, at 57. Yeah. That's crazy, yeah. 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 So are you are you still training right now? I am. I just yeah. started my training uh, last week. So <laughs> I've got my Ironman in, in April. So wow. yeah, hopefully... Hopefully I don't get hurt this year. Last year I got hurt. I hurt my back, so it took me out of uh, training for a while. But yeah, I think I think I'll, I'll be good if if I if I don't do any mogul. I was mogul skiing when I hurt my back last year, so I don't think I'm going to do that this year. So, yeah. so I got to tell you something. So, uh, Trout Unlimited years ago uh, invited me to go to Washington D.C. and uh, they they uh, said, oh, you can have one day to go, you know, explore the the capital and you know, the, the Washington Monument and all these things. So I spent literally from the morning until the night, like walking around the Capitol, right? So I went to the, to the Capitol, I went to the Indian Museum, I went to um, the Smithsonian, and then by, by, when the sun was coming down, um, I go, I'm gonna go check out the, the Lincoln Memorial. So I walked all the way down to Lincoln Memorial, and then I go, hey, where, I asked somebody, where's the, where's the White House at? And he's all oh, the White House is right over here, man. And I'm, I'm like, okay. And so I walked like a mile to the to the White House. By the time I got to the White House, I was like one of those um, athletes, you know, that can't move at the end of the. <laughs> I literally, I was dragging my leg, like oh literally, my like because my body totally gave out. You know what I'm talking about? I know, I know exactly. And what you're it, it was about. crazy, man. And I and I, I said to somebody, I go, hey, I needed to go to such and such hotel. I got a cab. And the cabs guys all well your hotel's right there, bro. And I'm like, dude, I can't walk there. I can't, I can't make it. I can't make it. But did you ever have you experienced that ever where your body just shuts down? I have, I have, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And it's it, like for me it's it's more a, a, like a symptom of like nutrition, not getting yeah. enough like energy, yeah. like like but your body will shut down. I mean it's you know, and when it does once it does, there's no recovery. You, yeah. you can't get back to you know, uh, you know, up to speed. So you right. have to just suffer through it. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like some of my longer events, um, you know, if if uh, the, the the proper nutrition that yeah. keeps you going. But like I said, if you miss that, you're you'll never recover. So yeah. Are you um, so you hired a trainer? Like right, or you had a, a guy had, help you with your your diet and all I that. had a yeah, I had a coach. I have a coach, and yeah. um, and it's great because I couldn't do that without a coach, with somebody motivating me to do it. So they would set up the plan, or he sets up the plan, and I just stick to it. So it's it, but that's really critical if you're going to do triathlons or any sort of endurance sport. Yeah, to, you know, a coach will keep you on point, yeah. keep your nutrition dialed in and then if you do that and you follow the, 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 the plan yeah you, you can do it anybody anybody can do this yeah it's just a matter of focusing in and being consistent and putting in the effort and it's all effort right yeah i mean yeah. you can't you can't really take a day off if you do you have to kind of you know you have to you can't really make up the day off you take but you just have to continue to work hard and just you know focus in and and put in the effort what's so. the one food that 
that gives you the most energy do you think that you that your coach has you have before you go on the actual run it's, um, it's run swim and bike right yeah 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 um god i'm trying to think you is know it, it's, it's it just carbs varies you, it's carbs yeah, but carbs also protein and, yeah and protein yeah but what you do is you taper your diet so what i'll do is when i'm you know, like in the heart of my training i'll have you know proteins carbs and then as i get closer to training or closer to the event then i up my, my carbs yeah. and i mean what works for me is um like rice and honey and that's rice, honey, and chicken. That's that's basically what I have. And then race day, I don't. I have a uh, a meal, and then I have liquid nutrition. So oh, all yeah. my, all my, you know, all my, you know, nutrition is coming through a liquid form because your body will process that a lot more, a lot quicker. Yeah. So, yeah. So. What did you find being you know 56 years old and tr and retraining again? Did your did your body like shrink? Oh my God! Like, yeah, because like, you know, you're running so much and stuff. I mean, what was it like? It was what great. It like? I mean, my my body completely morphed into like like yeah. just like an endurance athlete. It yeah, was yeah. great. And my, I hadn't seen my I hadn't seen my coach in like six months because we were he was remotely coaching me. He was on the East Coast, and he saw me the day of my event. He's like. I didn't even recognize you. He said I looked like an MMA fighter. I was that like <laughs> so. But it, but you'll see, and that's the great thing about doing this, you know, endurance sports or any sort of sport. If you're focused and you put in the effort, you can really change your body. You you can change, you know, your, your energy levels, and you feel really good. It's, yeah. it's really great. Yeah. Have you guys ever seen Conway? You know, he's uh, he's on TV. He does uh, Ford Outfitters or Fly Fishing the World. Have you guys ever seen those shows? I'm sitting next to a movie star right here, you guys. Yeah, the, yeah, the world's tallest so, midget. <laughs> <laughs> so what? What's the? What's like the craziest place that that you've been like in the world? Oh. Fly fishing, like where you're just like this is crazy. The jungle somewhere. Or? Well, yeah, it was always like a jungle environment. So, <laughs> yeah. so I, I think Thailand, deep in the jungle, in the southern jungles of Thailand. So, uh, we were. We were 20 hours from pretty much any civilization, camping out in these huts on this giant lake. And each day we would, we would take these canoes. The natives uh, would take us in these canoes and we would fish these rivers that were dumping into this giant reservoir. And so we would hike through the jungle and they would chop through the jungle with machetes to get you to these certain areas that you were gonna fish. And we were fishing a thing called a Thai Mishir. Getting to the fish, that was, that was really interesting, but the most interesting thing was, and this is the story I always tell, it's the second day, um, we're in the canoe going to this, this, this river that was dumping into a lake, and I see a snake, and the snake's probably 100 yards away swimming, you know, swimming across this sort of this lagoon, and it turned towards our, our canoe, and I'm like, oh cool, check out that snake. And so it's getting closer and closer, and so I have two indigenous guides on the boat, and I have a, another guide uh, who's a Frenchman, and so he's, I'm like, look at that snake. He's like, yeah, that's a big snake. This thing was probably 10 feet long. And all of a sudden, the two indigenous guys started going crazy, like, like yelling and screaming. I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> and the, the French guide said, I have no idea what they're talking about. I'm like, yeah, you're the translator. He said, yeah, but they, they, speak, they speak eight different dialects, so I don't know what they're saying. I'm like, great. So in the meantime, the snake's getting closer to the boat. Okay, now it's, it's 50 yards, and now it's 30 yards, now it's 25 yards, now it's 20, now it's like 10 yards from me, I'm looking at it, and these guys are going berserk, and, and they've got these long uh, bamboo poles, and they're slapping the water. This snake gets so close that I'm looking at it, and then it, ba it, it basically turns away from the boat because of all the commotion. As it's swimming away from the boat, 
The guy said, that was a spitting cobra. I'm like, you're kidding. He goes, oh no. He goes, and they have, a, they have deadly accuracy with their venom up to like 20 feet. And they'll, they'll hit you. Crazy. And he's, all he said, if it hit you anywhere, like your eye or your mouth, you're dead. I'm like, really? He's like, yep. I'm like, great. And, and that, that was like the second day of the trip. So anyway, I, you know. Um, yeah. And then you know we were in the jungle and we had some elephants that walked by us and they, crazy. And they, I mean it was it was crazy. Um, but but so the fishing wasn't great. It was just the experience. It was really great. So uh -huh. yeah. It what was were cool. you guys fishing for there? Thai mashir. So it's like there's, there's the golden mashir in India. Uh -huh. The Thai mashir is is a smaller version and it's really brightly colored. It's got big like turquoise and red red dots on it. It's a really cool fish. Yeah. Are you hosting any trips anywhere? I am. Where yes. Are you going? Um, well, I just got back from the Yucatan, so we were uh -huh. down there permit fishing. I hosted a trip to uh, the Amazon jungle this past November, which was another kind of a crazy thing. We flew. We took a five and a half hour flight on a eight-passenger Cessna float plane, single engine, with, with eight guys in it, okay? And we got caught in a lightning storm, and it was the scariest thing I've ever encountered. It was nuts. But anyway, we made it back, but... The, 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 oh, yeah. look, I, I was, there was a pilot with my group, and he looked at me and said, this is not good. <laughs> as, as the lightning is, is like crashing all around us, and it's at night, and we had been delayed, so, and, and the, the jungle creates its own weather, so you have, to, you have to fly from point A to point B at specific times where we got delayed, so we had to fly into these storms. Scariest thing, I got off that plane, actually, that, and this happened on the way back. I got off the plane and I, I, I literally kissed the tarmac. I'm like, <laughs> I really thought we were not gonna make it. And, yeah. and I wasn't the only one. The, yeah. the pilot sitting next to me yeah. is like, yeah, this is not good. So anyway, I made it. So yeah, by the way, to answer your question, yeah, I'm hosting trips. I don't think I'm gonna, I don't think I'm gonna host trips to the Amazon anymore though. That was pretty scary. Where, where are the other trips you're gonna host? So let's see, um, I'm gonna do the Yucatan again next August. That's um, for baby tarpon or? Uh, permit, or, permit, oh, permit, baby tarpon, okay. well, actually adult tarpon too. Oh, cool. Bonefish and snook. Oh yeah, So yeah. the super slam they call it. Um, I'll do a redfish trip in Louisiana, maybe in February, I haven't really figured that out yet. Uh, and then I'll, I'll figure out one more. You know, I'll just, you know, I'll just kind of throw it out there. I've got a, you know, it's been a really busy summer, um, and I'm going to sit down over the next month and kind of plan out at least one more trip. So, when you fish redfish in Louisiana, are you doing it from a kayak? Do you usually do it? From I, a kayak? I have done it, but yeah. typically it's from a, it's from a flats boat. Yeah, yeah. But I've caught them in a kayak down there. Yeah. So the the fishery down there in Louisiana is it best in the winter time? Winter time. So October. Uh -huh. through February is the best. And I like going in, in January or February. Okay. And the reason why is the Mississippi River freezes, and oh. so all that water runs down into the Delta. And uh -huh. when that water freezes, you don't have any more flow into the Delta. And oh. so what happens, the, the water gets really, really clear. And, oh. and so since we're sight fishing to these big redfish, and they're big, I mean, these, these fish are massive. Um, clear water, you know, you can see them in super shallow water. If you go down in October, that Mississippi River is still, you know, you've got yeah. a lot of summer storm stuff up north, and that's kind of murking up the water. But January, February, that's the best time to go, at least for me. You know, some guys might like to go earlier, but, but I, I like that January, February time. Dude, I went there and fished, and they, they, uh, they put us up at, the, um, at a big uh, plantation house. 
was bitching. Oh, the Woodlands Plantation? Yeah. Yeah, I've been, oh, yeah, that yeah. place is great. Yeah, it was cool, man. And then they had a, the actual uh, mess hall was a church. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so, really cool. so that's the Southern Comfort. If you look yeah, at the, Southern bottle, Comfort, the yeah. bottle of Southern yeah. Comfort, that's, yeah. the, uh, that's the Woodlands that's Plantation. That's cool. Yeah. Was that, there was like, you know, it was like one of those haunted houses when you go in the plantation, you know, see that. Oh, no, it, it's totally <laughs> creepy. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's good to go down there during Halloween because they totally, like, doll it up. It, it's yeah. really cool. And New Orleans is just such cool, a cool, cool town anyway. I went with a guy named Kirby LeCure. Have you ever Oh, I know Kirby. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 He was really good. He's a great guy. Yeah. Great guy. Really one, one of the old school guides down there. Yeah. I've yeah. known him well. Yeah. I uh, had a great time. Um, caught my first redfish with him. Yeah. It was cool. And there's some other, uh, the clownfish? Or no. What was those others? They're, they're not as big and you catch them every once in a while. Oh, I'm not sure what they're called. They've got, got a stripe on them. Oh, those are um, sheep's head. Sheep's head. Okay. Yeah. Not like our sheep's head out yeah. here. Yeah. 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 So, but yeah, they're, they're cool. That's uh, like, the, they call those the, the, the marsh permit. They're hard to catch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're great. And, um, and then I had a shot at a drum, but I didn't. I didn't oh, those black drum. Yeah. yeah, they're tough too. Yeah, they're like our spot fin Kroger. They're like a giant spot fin. So. They were. Uh, he was the one we saw was on a um, oyster. Oyster bed. bed? Yeah. yeah, oyster bed, yeah. just grubbing and ginormous. Oh yeah, they're yeah. huge. They call them swamp donkeys. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> So tell me about uh, your Cast Hope that you do, man. It's pretty cool. So Cast Hope, so it was started in, in Chico, California, I think 13, 14 years ago uh, by a guy named Ryan Johnston, who was a guide up there. Yeah. And so he wanted to expand the program, and he thought Southern California, or San Diego specifically, would be a great place. He's a, he's a native San Diegan, so that's where he, he grew up. So he reached out to me, and, and I said, I'd love, to, I'd love to do it. So the program is we work with you know, underserved kids, underserved communities, and we teach them how to not only fly fish, but we, do, we teach them science, and we teach them service. Um, and if the kids stick to the program for one year, we go ahead and do all we can to keep them engaged in the outdoors. So whether it's buying them all their fishing equipment or if it's buying them a microscope, if they're really into like, you know, the science elk component, um, or if they're into the servicing, we'll, we'll put them into a service program, you know, volunteering. So whether it's, you know, uh, for the city of San Diego um, or, or things like that. So it's really a great, great opportunity. And it's, it, it's really, a, it, it's, it's great to see these kids respond to the outdoors when they haven't, it hasn't been a big part of their life. I mean, many of these kids have lived within a five-block radius of their house. Yeah. And their, their, their goal every day is getting to school and back. And so we take these kids and we bring them into nature, and it really changes their life. So it's really cool. It's great just to see that. Yeah. And I always say this, you know, fly fishing or fishing is just the key that opens a door to greater opportunity for these kids. And man, sure. when you see these kids, they, they line up when they see their, when they catch their first fish, when they see their first uh, red tail hawk, when they when when they see a, a mule deer, it, it, I mean it really changes their life. So yeah. yeah, it's cool. Don't you guys do things like, you know, with with some programs they teach first and then they go fishing. You guys, don't you do it backwards? You fish first and then. That's right. Yeah. We, we get we get the kids and the mentors on the water. So the kid has to have a mentor, whoever that is, mom, dad, brother, aunt, uncle. So what we're doing is. We're teaching both the mentor and the child how to fish. We're not fishing for them. So that motivates both of them to keep them engaged in fishing. So if the kid really shows an interest, he or she is going to say, hey, I want to go fishing, mentor, and then, and then they're, going to, they're going to take them fishing. So 
But what we do is we provide free fishing for them. It doesn't cost them anything. We give them, you know, two or three days guided trips a month for each kid and a mentor. And we take them on the bay, we take them in the surf, uh, we take them to our local reservoirs. And, you know, the hope is, I mean, obviously they're learning how to fish. They're learning about, you know, catching fish. Yeah. Uh, but they're just learning also about, you know, catching and releasing um, and just being kind of the next great stewards for the environment. And you guys do like uh, a bunch of fundraising. And don't you, do you play your, with your band? And we do, yeah. 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 So, <laughs> yeah, so we do two fundraisers a year. So our big one is called a, it's called a, a, a casino night, yeah, yeah. which is, but, and so we, we had it in August. Yeah. And it was a sellout. It was great. Awesome. And, um, and then we do a uh, we do a, a, a make a shark fly fishing tournament. And then you know my band will play, and you know it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. What yeah. kind of music do you play? Oh, we, we just do <laughs> we do covers. We don't play the music that, that my band plays. Yeah. <laughs> it's like punk rock, and yeah, I don't yeah. think that people want to hear that. But um, so no, but it's great. It's a, it's a good time. Conway's and, a, a drummer, and a really good drummer. I've had the. The pleasure of being able to play yeah, with you. Yeah, and, Guy and I yeah, have played. Yeah, it's yeah, great. At the Carp Throwdown. Carp Throwdown. Yeah. Let's talk real quickly about that. The um, the Carp Throwdown and uh, is that going to happen? You think or? I, I think it, it's it's coming back. It's, oh, good. It's, it's coming back not every year, but I think we may you know bring it back this year. I got to talk to Al Q about that, but it was a great event. Yeah. And I think it's it really uh, it helped out. It got people fly fishing for something other than trout. Yep. And uh, the carp is an interesting fish, especially in the fly fishing community. So um, that, so let you guys know, so the carp throwdown is a fly fishing tournament on Lake Henshaw. Lake Henshaw, yeah. And one of the cool things about that tournament is that uh, sometimes the fish will come up and eat off the surface and they eat grasshoppers and ants and other things. And uh, it's actually my favorite tournament it's, that, it's I, that really I go fun. into. It's so yeah. fun, man! Yeah. Oh my god! But your tournament's great. I mean, you have. Yeah, I mean, yeah we got. We have the um, carp comp. No, no. Uh, what is ours called? The, um, well, the carp comp is um, Alex. Alex. Uh, Alex Katie. Alex Katie's. Yeah. Um, ours is on Lake Isabella. It's a carp comp yeah. as well. So it's pretty cool. But it's. Yeah. It, it, so all these events are great because the focus is. I mean. It's more camaraderie. Yeah. Because think absolutely. about it. You're fly fishing for carp. I mean, it's it, it's just weird to start off with, but it, yeah. it's cool. It's so cool. And, and you bring out like a really interesting group of folks, a very yeah. diverse yeah. group of folks that have that love to fly fish. Yeah. And the carp throwdown was great because we'd have guy would come out and play. We'd have yep. music. We'd have food. Yep. We'd, we'd fish the tournament the next day, and then we'd have a big barbecue. And it was just a great time. It was really fun. So amazing. That's my favorite, man. I hope you guys do. Yeah, I, I, it's what we're talking about. We're trying to get the little uh, carp comp, you know, between Hinshaw, Isabella, and somewhere else. So it'd be amazing. We've been talking about that for years. I think yeah. that would really be cool. We, yeah. we need to do that. The dude from uh, Arizona, from the Arizona Fly Shop, he, uh, he wants to do that, you know, out there. Uh, in Phoenix, um, oh God, forget uh, his names, unfortunately. No, yeah, I know you're but, he, but he wants to have a, a carp out there as great. well, which would be, be really cool. Yeah. So if people want to go fishing with you, are you just like totally booked up or can, or can you got openings or what? You know, uh, to be honest, I'm booked up through October. <laughs> are you? Um, it's, I, I've been really fortunate um, the last couple of years. The fishing's been good. Uh -huh. The publicity's been good. People uh -huh. have been, you know, getting interested in it. Yeah. Uh, through like podcasts like yours, yeah. uh, and but I would say that if, if people want to fish, you know, 
go, go to my website, conwaybowman.com, and then you know you can contact me through that and then get on the book sooner than later because I'm already booking up for next year. But okay. it really is, it's a wonderful big game fly fishing experience. Yeah. And it's close to shore. It's not like you, you don't have to travel to the ends of the earth to, tar to catch a really large big game fish on a fly. And, that, and that's the unique, unique thing about it. And San Diego's a great town. I mean, there's lots of stuff Incredible. to do. Yeah. I mean, you can golf, you can go to downtown, you yeah. can get a ball, go to a ball game, and go to SeaWorld. So it, it really has it all. You know, my, my podcast is, a, is about folks that, that follow their dreams, follow their passions. And I'm super stoked to have you on again, man. I love it. Thank it's you. amazing. Thanks. So thanks for being on here. Conway Bowman, you guys. Thanks. Hey, you guys, I'm back. This is Guy Jeans from the Guy Jeans Podcast. I am here with Casting Recovery, Casting for Recovery with Diane Trihe and Linda Llewellyn. I think yes. those names right? <laughs> yes, oh, right. Awesome. So what is and who is Casting for Recovery? Yeah. Um, Casting for Recovery is a, a nonprofit organization and we do free retreats for breast cancer survivors uh -huh. in any stage of breast cancer. And it is just for women at this point. Yeah. And uh, it's just, it's, a, it's an amazing program to kind of capture um, life after breast cancer. Okay. And what do you do there? I'm actually the volunteer coordinator and also an alumni coordinator. Uh -huh. uh, I've been with them um, going on 10 years and I, was, I had breast cancer and I was a survivor and I went to a class, I went to the retreat and it was just an amazing experience and got my life back. It's, it's part of my heart. It really helps uh, women out, doesn't it? It really does. And you guys, you guys use fly fishing as kind of the, the healing tool, right? Is that mm -hmm. part of it? Yes. Yeah? It gives them the chance to get away from all the diagnosis and the testing and yeah. kind of reconnect them back to nature, you know. Um, nature has a real healing way about it. And so they're around other women that also yeah. have been diagnosed with breast cancer. Some of them we've had are, you know, were sitting in chairs and they couldn't stand very much. And then we've had women that have been in remission for years and years and years. So the cross-section allows the younger ones, the newer ones, talk to the veteran breast cancer survivors. Gives them hope. Uh-huh. And, and what do you guys do? You do like, a, like seminars with them and do like retreats or... What do you guys do with it's, them? It's a two and a half day retreat. Uh -huh. uh, women um, apply for it, and National is the one that chooses them randomly. They come uh, walking in really apprehensive, not knowing what to do, and by the time they finish, they are tightest bond ever. But we have medical staff on there for them to do a workshop just with the women and medical staff, answer any questions that they may have. We also have psychosocial workers that deal with the emotional part of it. Um, and then we use fly fishing as a vehicle for to connect them. We connect them with nature, make them feel normal again, maybe give them a skill that they've never had before, you know, um, 
and then we follow it up by having different events. Hopefully, the ladies will love fly fishing as much as we do. Yeah, and you know, I've had the honor of guiding some of the uh, women that have gone through your program and it's been amazing and they told me how amazing that the program is you know right and it's it's so cool we always do a survey after after the retreat for yeah. the staff and the, the women and we always get positive ref you know feedback some of them have never been to a retreat support system before and they come out of it just feeling rejuvenated feeling yeah. alive again yeah you know so um, it's a sisterhood that we hope no one ever has to have, be, belong to, but it is, everyone says it's life-changing, yeah. you know, beyond just the weekend. So. Now, is this something that's all over the country, or is it just in this area? We're in about 38 states. Oh, we're in, we're in about 38 states. Oh, okay. And you can actually travel from one state to another if it's not immediately available awesome. to in your local area. That's cool. So how do you guys, how do you raise funds to, uh, you know, fund these programs that you guys are doing? Well, a lot of times, um, like me as the volunteer coordinator, we'll find events that we need to, would that would like us to come and participate. Like Bass Pro has us here today to yeah. talk about um, what we do in casting for recovery. And then we do raffles so that, um, you know, we're a lot of times we'll, well, today we have um, fly ties and or Flyers that have been tied, yeah. and uh, we're collecting. We're doing a raffle, and uh, hopefully we earn a few bucks. And we also have the opportunity while we're out here to talk to women about our program. And see, like from today, we might get a few people who will be interested in going to one of our retreats, and and that's really um, a benefit because we're touching people's lives and getting the word out about casting for recovery. You know, there's a uh, really cool event coming up if you guys want to get involved, and it's called the uh, California Fly Fishing Open, October 14th. Is that right? I think I, it is. I'm not sure. Yeah. Is that coming right? Up. Oh, thank you, Teresa. Yeah, it's October 14th. Uh, it's up on the Kern River, and um, it's a it's a benefit. 50% uh, of the proceeds are going to Casting for Recovery. 50% mm -hmm. are going to Kern Valley Search and Rescue. And um, what an honor to be able to give you guys that, that money and, and do whatever you need to do and, with it, yeah? And it's a great, yeah. great event to participate yeah. in. Super fun. If you guys don't know what that is, the uh, California Fly Fishing Open is a five-person team fly fishing tournament, catch and release tournament. And um, you get your your best fly five fly anglers come up with a team and and enter, and then um, you go out and try to catch as many fish as you can, take pictures of them, and uh, report back at a certain time and try to prove that you got those fish, and then uh, we take a tally and then we uh, award me uh, medals. And I guess this year we have a women's division for the first time. Did you guys know that? I did not know that. Yeah, it's, um, we, we have, I think we have over seven or eight women's teams already. Outstanding. Isn't that cool? That's so yeah. so we yeah. just, we did a full on just women's division, which is gonna be awesome. That's great, right? that's great, yeah. That'd be great. So if people want to donate 
to uh, your guys' cause, Casting for Recovery. How do they do that? You can go right to the website. It's castingforrecovery.org and go to the Southern California link. So we make sure that it's designated for Southern California mm-hmm. and just make a contribution. Awesome. Is there a website that you guys go to? Yes, castingforrecovery.org. 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 I'm repeating that so people write it down. Yes, and we do have brochures on the table. Yeah, if you guys want to get involved or if you know somebody that wants to get involved, you know, contact them. It's a great organization. I can vouch for that. Um, I know lots of the women that have been through the program, and they all think it's awesome. So, Diane and Linda, thank you so much for, for coming and being on my show. And we'll see you at the Fly Fishing Open. That's right. We'll see you guys there. All right, you guys. Thank thank you. Thank you so much, guys. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, you guys. I'm back. This is Guy Jeans from the Guy Jeans Podcast. And I am with Cruz Ornelas and Richard Macias. Macias. And they are from Project Healing Waters. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Doing great. Good to see you guys here, man. Good to be here. Yeah, yes. so let's talk about, you know, what is Project Healing Waters and what's it all about? Because I know you're not lost for words. I talked to you earlier, so what's it all about, buddy? <laughs> well, Project Healing Waters is a national uh, nonprofit organization that's uh, got over 200 um, chapters throughout the United States and in a couple of countries. And what we do is that we try to help as many uh, disabled veterans as possible. Uh, we take uh, veterans... Um, and um, we teach them how to build their own fly rod, teach them how to uh, cast, teach them how to tie knots, how to tie flies. And then we outfit them with uh, waders and boots and we take them on fishing trips and at no cost to the, to the veteran. And as part of the rehabilitation for these veterans, uh, we have to raise uh, money in uh, order to uh, be able to, to, to supply them with the equipment as well as taking them on trips. And uh, we don't have anything local that uh, is convenient for us, so we have to try to uh, make enough funds that we can take them to places like Bishop or Montana. Uh, We've uh, got some people that have taken up to uh, the Fall River um, and uh, fish different parts of the country that are accessible. And uh, we try to get um, uh, local help as much as possible with guide service and you know, I've got plenty of volunteers from the Long Beach Casting Club. We meet every Monday at the, at the American Legion in Long Beach, and we try to help as many veterans as possible. Awesome. I'm going I'm to move that about right there for you. Sure. So, uh, as you're talking, I'm uh, understanding that uh, Project Healing Waters is for veterans Correct. and with PTSD. Correct. And so you guys use fly fishing to help them heal from PS, PTSD, correct? Yes, and, and, a lot of them, and some of them have other maladies, um, yeah. you know, war wounds, um, yeah. injuries, things uh-huh. like that. So we try to cater to their particular need, uh, whether they be ambulatory or not. Uh, uh, but uh, we try to reach out to men and women uh, so that they can enjoy something that uh, can be meaningful and um, get them back into a a place where they feel comfortable with other veterans and other people. 
Uh, you guys are veterans yourself. Yes, sir. That's correct. Thanks for your service, gentlemen. You're Thank welcome. you, yeah, sir. Man. Um, you guys were in the Vietnam War. That's correct. That's yeah. correct. And you guys are now, I was talking earlier, in your 70s-ish. Yeah. Right? All you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so coming back from Vietnam, and so you guys, you guys understand kind of what these guys are going through that are coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan and all these. You kind of know what they're going through, so you can kind of help them. Is that is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that uh, we both have uh, learned that it, it, it's it's hard for uh, veterans to come back and as if nothing happened. Uh, we come back and we become loners, and uh, it's hard for us to mingle with other people. Uh, we get to the point where we're. Uh, uh, don't want to be in large crowds, uh, don't like the loud noises, uh, we're suspicious of everything and everyone. Uh, a lot of veterans have uh, difficulty with their spouses. Uh -huh. I've known many guys who have been married many times because they can't keep a, keep a relationship uh, and, and they don't know what's wrong. Yeah. A lot of it is because they haven't had the therapy and the help needed to get back into society. And we found that Project Healing Waters and the program that allows them to mingle with other veterans allows them to open up. And uh, there's nothing more thrilling than to see a grown man you know, who's just finished building a fly rod. He's, he's, built, he's done his own flies. He's out there casting and catching a fish for the first time in his life on a fly rod, all of a sudden turning to a 10-year-old, yelling and screaming and just having a jolly old time. That's what it's all about. And the therapy and what it does for the individual, it really helps them to get back into society. It makes a better person, a better father, a better husband, a better wife. Um, and it's just a, a, a great thing. I, you can talk to any one of my veterans yeah. and uh, they'll tell you the same thing. It's just a phenomenal feeling to see that happening. Because we've been, we've, been through, we've been through it ourselves, so I know what it's like. Yeah. And it's not an easy situation to break through. So you guys teach them how to build rods. Correct. Tie flies. Correct. And fly fish. Fly fish, cast. Uh, Casting, all, everything. Everything, that uh, tie knots, um, you know, everything that has to do with fly fishing. And then the biggest thrill is taking them on a fly fishing trip. Yeah. where they, they have to cool. associate with other veterans yeah. and get along with veterans. And, you know, one thing about veterans, when they get together, they're all brothers and sisters. So yeah. you don't find them um, fighting amongst themselves or any of that. They're, they, they're more apt to help each other out with whatever it is they need. Whether it be equipment, uh, handing them over, one of your flies, whatever it takes to keep them you know involved yeah and uh, it's a great feeling richard are you are you helping out what are you doing are you volunteering of course uh, my crew's calling asked me to come over to volunteer for the podcast that we're having today yeah and uh, that's what i've been doing learning how to tie flies building my rods and cool. everything else and getting along with the rest of the gentlemen here which is almost uh second nature because a lot of the gentlemen were in the military yeah and there's that brotherhood that the gentleman was speaking about right now. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing. It really is. And then at one point we had a little problem, but I needed 
Project Killing Waters fly fishing, and I really did, and it helped me out quite a bit. And Put your mic a little oh, I'm closer. Sorry. No, this one. This yeah. one? Yeah, there you go. Okay. Put that a little closer. There you okay. Go. And it helped me out quite a bit. It really has, and I don't want to give it up. It's real tranquil for me. Nice. Matter of fact, we uh, just finished uh, going to one of the outings, which was at Fall River, and it was on 4th of July. Usually I'll grab a hold of my dog and we'll go to the room and stay inside because of all the activity that's going outside. That bothers me quite a bit. Yeah. And this time it wasn't there. It, it wasn't. It was just quiet. It was fantastic. Very cool. Coolest. So how do people get involved with uh, Project Healing Waters? If they want to get involved, where do they where do they go? Well, what they, they can do one of two things. They can either give me a call um, or text me and give me their information. Um, do you have a number for that? Yes. Uh, my personal number is area code 310-745-6335. And they can text me, give me their information. I will send them... Um, an email with uh, the registration information. Registration is free. Uh, it goes back to uh, Maryland, where we are uh, headquartered. Mm -hmm. They uh, go ahead and document the fact that that person is registered. I get notified, I call them, and invite them to come to our meetings. And uh, we start them off with uh, an introduction into the program. I tell them what they put the, the minimum requirements out. We don't allow any alcohol drinking on any any trips. Uh, we limit uh, any smoking on trips because of uh, we don't need to get into any uh, fire situations or any danger. Sure. One of the things that we make sure of is that we find out all the medical problems that veterans have, so that we can go ahead and make sure that uh, we adjust a trip uh, to a veteran's needs. Uh, sometimes we have veterans that are ambulatory uh, in wheelchairs or have other problems with uh, some of their physical uh, abilities. So we have to adjust ourselves to make sure that the veteran can enjoy uh, the full effect of fly fishing and camaraderie without uh, endangering that veteran. So we're very careful about that. Uh, we never leave a veteran by himself. There's always um, volunteers that we have with veterans. Uh, typically there's one volunteer for every two to three veterans, uh, making sure that they're having a good time. If they need help with their gear um, or whatever, uh, a lot of times we'll have the volunteer help them uh, retrieve the fish, take it out of the water, show them how to do that so that they don't harm the fish. And they can take a picture of the fish and themselves, and then we teach them how to put the fish back in the water because everything that we do is catch and release. Uh -huh. uh, we practice conservation. So we don't harm the fish so that they're there for the next time that we come around to do some fishing. So awesome. it's a very rewarding uh, situation for the veteran as well as for, you know, the uh, uh, rivers and, and streams that we fish because it keeps the population going. That's awesome. So people want to go to your guys' website. What, do you know the website? Yes, it's www.projecthealingwaters.org. ProjectHealingWaters.org. Yes, and uh, they can read all about uh, Project Healing Waters. Um, they can see where all of the uh, different chapters are located, and they can contact them, uh, or if they go ahead and contact headquarters and let them know what region they're in, they can find the local or the closest uh, Project Healing Waters to them. Okay. Uh, some of them only meet uh, 
couple of times a month. We meet every week on a Monday at the American Legion in Long Beach. Okay. And we invite anybody that's a veteran uh, that has got a minimum 10% disability uh, that can join and uh, enjoy the camaraderie of, uh, of uh, being with other veterans. This is for both men and women. So you guys meet every Monday at the Long Beach Casting Club at what time? Nine o'clock in the morning. At nine o'clock. So if you know somebody that wants to learn possibly how to tie flies with the master over at your guys' booth over there, what's his name? Alan. Alan's Alan? Uh, Alan is our master... Um, fly tire? Uh, fly tire. We have master casters. We uh -huh. have uh, master rod builders. Uh, we have uh, quite a variety of very good um, volunteers, and um, the majority of which are veterans as well, uh -huh. that uh, belong to the Long Beach Casting Club, uh, which is, uh, supports us as well. Uh, they have a pond where we practice our casting. Okay. Um, and right now we're doing a lot of um, uh, practicing for uh, saltwater fly fishing, which is something we haven't tried before in the past. So you guys have some saltwater surf classes coming up? Uh, yes, sir. Awesome. Uh, I was checking out some of Alan's uh, flies, uh, smallmouth bass flies. Those things are pretty sweet. He's got some beautiful looking flies. <laughs> He's an amazing he fishes, gentleman. He likes to fish the the lower umqua for smallmouth. That's correct. He's showing me some of the smallmouth that he catches on the lower umqua, and I've got to go do that. Yes. Have you done that? Not yet. We've got to go uh, do that, man. I'm, be a I'm lot planning of fun. on doing it. I've already talked to Alan about yeah. trying to get involved in going up there and, and doing that. So. It's very rare that I find somebody that likes smallmouth as much as, as me. So I appreciate that guy over there. Yeah, he's great. He really is a great guy. Cruz and Richard, yes. thank you so much for being on my podcast. Thank you so much. I really much appreciate again. it. Appreciate and it. I, I wish you guys the best. And thank you for volunteering for those veterans out there. It's pretty amazing. Um, you guys take care, okay? Okay, thank, thank you, you very much. much. Right. Thank you much. Hey, you guys. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Guy Jeans from the Guy Jeans Podcast. I'm here with Bill Bowling from Trout Unlimited. What's going on, Bill? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Um, so tell me, what, what is Trout Unlimited and uh, what are you guys doing? Well, Trout Unlimited is a national organization, a nonprofit, um, to help conserve the fisheries around the United States. And um, each state has its own uh, few chapters. California has a bunch of chapters. I am the president of the South Coast chapter, which goes from Ventura County down to Orange County and encompasses this area as well. Okay. And so are you guys um, working on streams and marshes and that kind of stuff? I mean, are, well, yeah, there's several different projects we're working on. Um, we're working on a project in the L.A. River to help daylight some of the stream because it's a channelized river. Yeah. And so we're working with the city of Paramount and some hydrologists to see where it's safe to remove some of that concrete and have some type of fish passage. Um, we're also cool. working in Orange County uh, with the South Coast Water District um, to help restore their estuary there also. So are... Are, you, are they seeing trout or steelhead coming up the L.A. River? Well, the last known steelhead trout in the L.A. River was in 1940, and they oh, really? channelized the L.A. River in 1938 um, because okay. of the flooding. So uh, they stuck around for a couple of years, it seems like, and then there hasn't been any evidence of that. Um, in 2011, um, Steve Williams with the Resource Conservation District of the Santa Monica Mountains found two steelhead trout in Boyona Creek, which is a Marina del Rey. So okay. 
they're coming they're coming back to this area yeah that's what i've heard yeah so um i yeah i've heard some uh are going into the ventura river as mm. well right right uh-huh and so, so mission creek and santa barbara santa mission barbara. creek and santa barbara yeah. and, and anything in carpinteria have you heard anything like that in carpinteria creek no. okay um I know that there's a big project on the Ventura River uh, regarding uh, steelhead, right? Like, mm -hmm. as far as, um, like, they're, they're trying to take the Matillaha Dam down or something? Right, right. Yeah. A lot of dam removals. Um, you know, even in the L.A. River down at the port of Long Beach, there's, like, a little blockage. Sometimes the sea lions and stuff will hop over it, but uh -huh. the steelhead trout aren't really making the passage there. So Is that what of, you guys are working on They're then? kind of blocked. We're working with, um, the LA River goes through 13 different municipalities, Compton, oh. Long Beach, Linwood, Vernon. Oh. Um, so we're working with the city of Paramount um, exclusively on removing some of the concrete there. And if that works out, um, maybe some of the other municipalities will follow suit. Well, I know that there's uh, a lot of folks uh, fly fishing for carp in the LA River, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> have you, are you doing any of that fishing for them? Yeah, so um, <laughs> we have the LA River Fishing Derby every year, and we take kids uh, from East LA, and we give them a fishing pole that they get to keep and take oh, it home cool. with them. Uh -huh. And uh, we have grants to do so. And we go fishing in there, and mostly what we're finding is carp and tilapia. No way. Um, the city of LA stocked the Los Angeles River with tilapia in 1974 to curb the mosquito problem. Oh, and, um, interesting. I guess tilapia love mosquitoes. That's interesting, huh? Yeah. Are you guys doing any work on the San Gabriel River or any of those uh, tributaries at all up in that I area? Mean, we haven't done any restoration work in San uh -huh. Gabriel, but we've done some fishing projects and and fly fishing and stuff like that some outings but for yeah. fun but no restoration work or working with anyone there what's your favorite project to be working on right now I'm, i like working with kids teaching them uh -huh. how to fish and um you know also we teach them about the mayfly larvae caddisfly larvae and some of the stuff that the fish eat so we teach them about the whole macroinvertebrate chain that's cool man is uh do you think that that some of these you know, you're you're out there in the field. You're a volunteer. Yes. Uh huh. And do you think that that uh, it's working? You know, like the the, the trout limit is actually making a difference um, out there. Do you think that that's really working for, well, yeah, for some think, of these fish and stuff? I think you know we're bringing more awareness to uh, yeah. some of these concrete ditches that need to be restored and. Mm -hmm. um, bringing people to the river uh -huh. and I think that's part of the mission is to restore fisheries and um, teach people about fisheries and conservation. Do you guys see a rundo? Do you know that? that yeah, plant? rundo donax. Yeah, it looks like a bamboo. Yeah. yeah. Is that, that's what, from what I understand, a, not a great plant to have in river no. bottoms, right? It's an invasive species yeah. and um, they brought those in um, to restore the hillsides. It works very good. It grows rapidly. It's like insane. And, huh? But the problem is um, it seeds a lot and those seeds get brought downstream and it just yeah. keeps growing wherever yeah. the seeds fall. And, and the problem with that is it, it, it outcompetes other plants or something and is that what happens and, or native plants? Well, it's like yeah. bamboo. Bamboo lives in water, and it's, uh -huh. it's a type of bamboo, a rundodonax, and it takes a lot of the water oh, away from the native right. plants, and yeah. so it kind of just sucks streams dry. Oh, so, um, okay. And we don't want to use uh, poisons or anything to get rid of them, so that the only you know, real way to get rid of them is just uh, 
you know, good old <laughs> elbow grease and removal yeah. by hand. Are, are you guys doing a lot of Arundo eradication type projects? I mean, we're not, but uh, some of the resource conservation districts and state parks are doing Arundo uh, removal all the time. What would you like to see done with Trout Unlimited? Would you have some like, like long-term goals? Well, long, yeah, long-term goals of the Steelhead Trout Passage. You know, mm -hmm. they found them in Mission Creek in Santa Barbara, Boyona Creek here in Marina Del Rey, and, you know, I'd like to see them in the L.A. River and San yeah. Gabriel River. Awesome, man. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I guess from what I understand, the, this is north of Ventura, but they're, they're seeing a population coming in. I think it's the San Luis River coming into Avila. Have you heard that? Uh-uh, no. Yeah, they're, they're starting to see... Um, steelhead coming in there and actually nice. have opened it up to fishing or something you know because right. they're making a comeback like on wednesdays or something like that you, right. can, you can fish for them it's yeah. pretty cool so people want to join trout unlimited and become a member i was surprised talking to you earlier that you guys have 1900 members here in in uh in the socal yeah. trout unlimited right our chapter is 1900 members you yeah. know and a lot of the members aren't really active they just pay the money yeah. and they get the card and get the yeah. free backpack and stuff yeah. like that and, and they like Which to be cool. a part of it and i got a couple guys walk by me today and say oh i'm a member i'm a member and, oh um, cool but maybe about 25% of the 1,900 members in this chapter are engaged and um, do volunteer work like I do and yeah. get out there and you know, uh, grease the wheels. I was telling uh, Conway earlier, who I had yeah. on the program, uh, how Trout Unlimited uh, paid for me to go to, and, a, and another friend of mine, to go to uh, Washington, D.C. Oh, nice. And uh, kind of lobby for uh, the Kern River Rainbow. Oh, yeah. You know, and so that was kind of cool, you know, to actually, they wanted me to stay in my fly fishing gear, you know, and go talk to the Congress people and stuff like that. Yeah. That was kind of cool. And uh, so we went and talked and talked about the Kern River Rainbow and how important it is and, and that sort of thing. And and uh, getting getting the Kern River Rainbow, the Golden Trout, and the Little Kern Golden Trout kind of reestablished in, in our area, which is kind of neat. You know? Nice. Um, so that was a cool experience for me. I mean, Trout Unlimited put the bill funded for, for it. Yeah. yeah, and I got to meet, I think he was the president mm -hmm. of all of Trout Unlimited. Um, I'm forgetting what his name was, but he's a cool guy. Yeah, they give out a lot of grants. It's nice. We went underneath um, the Capitol building mm -hmm. and uh, went to the, the cafeteria down there. And all the Trout Unlimited guys, they like to fly fish for um, pike in the, mm. in the uh, river there. Uh, right. What's the name of that? The uh, Chesapeake? The che uh, no, it's um, the one right going right through there. Maybe it is the Chesapeake, is it? Yeah, it's, it's a river going right through Washington, D.C. I'm forgetting what the name of it was. But anyways, they, they fish for pike in the, out of there. And so they had pike flies yeah. they were showing me. It was kind of cool. Yeah. But uh, so if people want to get involved, go to Trout Unlimited, SoCal. Yeah, so um, our uh, website is southcoasttu.com. Okay. Southcoasttu.com. Okay. And then that'll have a timeline of our events, present, future, and all that stuff and the projects we're working on. Well, awesome. Bill, thank you for being on the podcast, man. All right. Thanks. What a pleasure, bro. All right, man. Take care. Take care. It's a Guy Jeans podcast. Legendary shows in the outdoors is on Waypoint TV. 
Don't miss Primo's Truth About Hunting, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.